This is the Publicity for Pet Businesses podcast with Rachel Spencer. Listen in each week for tips on ways to win media coverage and create content to make sure your pet business stands out from the competition. Hi, and thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the podcast. So this week I'm going to be doing something a little bit different because this month, July 2021, marks 15 years since I first went freelance. So I thought I would do an episode about what I've learned in 15 years of running my own small business. Um, And in this episode, I'm going to be sharing everything that I've kind of learned since 2006 when I first left my old staff job um, at the News of the World newspaper um, and all of the different things that I've picked up along the way, not obviously all of them because there will be probably thousands, but I rounded up the top 15 things that I've learned. So in that time, there have been huge changes in the media. There have been huge changes in my business and my personal life too. Um, And yeah, I'm going to kind of take you back from what happened when I first started out on my own and I took that leap of faith to run my own business. So you'll know if you've been running your own business for a while or if maybe if you're just starting out running your own business of the challenges that it can throw up. If you've been running it for a while, so even if it's, um, you know, less than a year or a few years or in my case, 15 years or even decades, you will know that it is a roller coaster to say the least. So what I hope you will learn in this episode is some things from some of the mistakes that I've made over the years. Um, I've recorded it in the hope that you'll find it helpful. It really is kind of quite warts and all really, and I do hope it will help you not make the same mistakes that I've made. Um, I'm gonna be quite frank and honest about some of the things that I've done over the years. And also if you've just kind of come across this podcast for the first time, and this is the first episode that you've listened to, please can you go and listen to some of the more practical episodes. So usually on the podcast, I talk about how to get publicity for your pet business, how to get your pet business out there, share loads of really practical, helpful advice on how to get press coverage, how to create content and that kind of thing. This does feel a little bit self-indulgent, but I do hope it's going to give you some really helpful advice. Um, But if you're listening for the first time, do go and listen to some of the more practical episodes where you can learn about press releases, uh, working with the media and that kind of thing, and what I'm all about, um, rather than listen to this one, which is just kind of me talking about my own experience. But if you've been listening for a while and you know me um, and yeah, and you want to kind of find out my journey a little bit, then do carry on listening and I do hope you find it helpful. So I'm going to start with number one and I'm going to say that being self-employed is not for everybody. So if you're listening and you are self-employed or you're considering it, like you are part of that 5% of people who, who do this, who don't have a boss telling them what to do and who do have to figure quite a lot of things out for themselves. Now, I think that just takes so much so much grit, so much determination, so much tenacity, so much resilience. So if you're listening, then first of all, first of all, massive hats off to you for doing this in the first place. It is really brave. You don't know where the first, where the next paycheck is coming from, or even the first paycheck is coming from. You don't know what's around the corner, and it really does take a certain kind of person to work on their own. So if you're reading or you're listening to this, then I'm guessing that's you. Um, So massive hats off to you for having the guts to do it in the first place. So that is my first point. Being self-employed is not for everybody. And if you are listening and you are self-employed, then like, honestly, you know, I just have so much admiration for you for doing this because it is really tough and really brave. So my second point is that you have to put faith in yourself. I'm going to tell you a little bit about how I ended up going self-employed back in 2006. So it's a little bit of a funny story. Um, Back in 2006, when I first quit my job, 
I knew that I wanted to leave my old staff job. I used to work at the News of the World. It was um, obviously the biggest newspaper in the world at that time, the biggest selling newspaper in the world back in 2006. It was it was a quite a tough job, as you'd imagine. Um, it was challenging. I worked long hours and I was paid, um, had like a fairly nice monthly salary and I was also paid expenses. So the expenses were quite good. I was able to bump up my salary, which wasn't that great um, with my expenses. So that was quite nice. Um, and I've been working there. When I quit, I've been working there for two years. Um, I've been working on the features there. So I was writing um, articles about all kinds of different things from real ordinary people who were doing extraordinary things. I would write health stories about people who needed, needed to raise money for operations. Um, I covered large news stories like the 7-7 bombings in London. Um, I would write about things like Big Brother, which if you are old enough to remember Big Brother, um, it was a reality TV show that started in the in the late 90s, early noughties. Um, and it was where ordinary people went into uh, the Big Brother house and they were in the spotlight for the whole of the summer. Um, and one of the things that I used to have to do would be to go and find out stories about the people who were in the Big Brother house. So I'd go and chat to their friends, their family, find out a little bit more about them. Um, and that's what I used to do. So that's painting a little bit of a picture of what life was like on the news of the world. It was really busy, uh, worked really long hours and it was quite stressful. Um, and my boss was, and I hope he isn't listening to this, he was um, quite a tough taskmaster and I was really fed up by the time I quit my job. Um, and I had kind of had the idea to go freelance. I was working in the Northwest, was over in Cheshire at the time. Um, there wasn't many female freelancers at the time and quite often you would be going and dealing with sensitive stories and it would quite often be um, preferable um, or an advantage as a woman to go and be knocking on those doors and asking people um, about some kind of quite delicate, sensitive situations. So I figured that if I, I could take a chance and go freelance and see what happened, um, I was, I knew I had lots of contacts on other newspapers and on magazines um, and I took a leap of faith back in 20, in 2006 when I went freelance. But just to tell you the real background as to how it came about, I've been thinking of going freelance for ages, for probably about, probably, probably a good four months. And I knew that that was what I wanted to do, but I just wasn't ready to take the plunge. I was, I was scared, basically. I didn't want to, um, yeah. It was hard to walk away from a fairly well-paid job and the security and all of those things. But then I went on a Hindu, one of my friends, it was one of my friends' Hindu, um, and I, as you can imagine, had quite a lot to drink. We went to the races and then we went out in London, quite a lot of been, we, we were quite refreshed. And um, there was, it was on a Saturday night and I worked on the Sunday newspaper and I got a phone call saying that one of our rivals, Sunday people, had got a story that I'd been working on and I'd not managed to make the story work. And my boss was really angry, he was shouting, I was really drunk, I was really upset. It was probably about eight o'clock on my friend's Hindu, I was hysterical in the toilets and I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe this has happened to me. You know, I can't keep doing this, I can't keep on at this job. I was really miserable, really low. I'd been unhappy for a long time. And I said there and then, I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna quit on Monday. And my friends were like, oh, you'll be okay, Rach, don't worry. Come on, let's, you know, come on, pick yourself up. We're going to be okay. Let's go and, you know, carry on drinking. Um, everything will be fine. You know, just forget that your boss has just screamed down the phone at you. 
So I went, carried on with the hen do, we had a great time. And then the next morning, I remember waking up with a bit of a sore head, as you can imagine, we were in this hotel and my friends were like, oh, Rachel, you okay? I know you said you had that horrible time with your boss last night. And, and I was like, yeah, but I'm gonna quit. I'm gonna have my notes in on Monday. And they were like, no, you're not going to. And I was like, no, really I am. I'm not having this anymore. I can't do this anymore, I'm gonna quit. Um, so on the Monday or maybe the Tuesday morning, I remember ringing my boss um, and saying, I'm just ringing to let you know I'm handing him a notice. And he was like, but we don't want you to go. And I was like, well, I've decided I'm gonna go freelance. Um, I've done, you know, I've done, I've done a bit of research. I figure there's quite a lot of opportunity here for me as a freelance, particularly as a female um, in the Northwest working for magazines, newspapers and so on. Um, and if I don't give it a go now, then I never will, I'll never know. And he was, he said, but you know, what, what do you want? Do you want more money? And I said, no, I just want to give it a go. I want to take this opportunity. And at the time I thought I could have turned around and said, actually, no, I'm leaving because you were awful to me and you made me cry on my friend's Hindu. But I just thought, no, there's no point in burning bridges. I'm going to want my old boss Jules to hire me, to commission me, um, to take my stories and pay me as a freelancer. So I'm going to just smile through it, kill him with kindness, quit my job, go out, um, work really hard for my last three months, my last three months notice. Um, and I'm just gonna be brave and take a leap of faith and believe in myself. And I went to see my mum and dad and my uncle Steve and I said to them, um, look, you know, this is where I'm at. Would, if I need financial support, would you be able to help me? I'm gonna try, if I've got some savings, I'm gonna try and create a buffer between now and when I leave my job, but would you be there for me if I needed it? And they all said that they would. And in the meantime, I did a few little bits of freelance work and I um, had a few things set up um, while I was kind of working out my notice so I could bring in a little bit of money which I probably shouldn't have done but anyway that was 15 years ago now so I can't get in trouble for it now um, and I was scared really blooming scared but I did it anyway and sometimes as the late great George Michael said you have got to have faith so if you are a self-employed person I know I've talked a lot here but you've got to have faith in yourself um, you've got to believe in yourself and sometimes you know what's the worst that can happen it doesn't work out and you get a job that's what I figured um, but you know what if it does work out what if you are okay what if you're chatting 15 years later about where you are um, so you've got to have faith in yourself um, the third thing I'm going to talk about is about social media. So, oh my gosh, we are so lucky now, aren't we, to have social media because we have these amazing platforms where we can go and talk about what it is that we do and how we help people. People can find us and people can hire us or buy our things or use our products or service. And it is incredible. And I always talk to my clients who are in my um, coaching program and on, my, on the courses that I do about how incredible social media is um, and what a gift it is. Um, the fact that we can go out and we are we are all media companies, we are all publishers, we can all go and put ourselves out there and reach hundreds, thousands, potentially millions of people. So when I'm talking about um, reaching millions of people, that's obviously getting publicity, but social media is a huge, huge thing. But what I would say, and what I've learned in 15 years, is that social media isn't everything. So when I first went freelance in 2006, Facebook had been created, but it was only used by like a few people I say a few people, probably quite a lot of people um, at school and uni. It was a big thing in America, but it had only just kind of started coming over here. Um, and I didn't set up a personal profile until 2007. Um, and I didn't set up a business profile until 2009. Um, I remember, I remember 
talking to a friend who worked on the Sunday Mirror and somebody had found, um, someone had gone on Facebook and I think they'd found like Prince Harry's account and they'd found some really like interesting things that Prince Harry had on his account from Facebook. And it was like this big secret thing, we can't tell anyone where we've got this really interesting information. It's off this new thing called Facebook and isn't it amazing? So can you imagine that now? It's just crazy, isn't it? But that's what it was like back in 2006. Facebook wasn't really there. Instagram hadn't even been invented. Things like TikTok hadn't been invented. Instagram didn't come along until 2010. Um, LinkedIn was there, but it was very, um, it didn't have a, a, any of the functionality or didn't have a lot of the functionality that it has now or any of the amazing stuff that you can do now. Um, Twitter was in its infancy. Um, so that was just kind of starting out really. And all my work came from word of mouth. Um, so it came from people knowing me from when I worked on my old newspaper. It came from me like having contacts who I'd been working with and chatting to since like 1999 when I first became a journalist. Um, it came from me calling people, telling them that I was free and that this is what I did, um, from emailing and visiting editors. So um, like one of the editors who we used to do a lot of work for when I first went freelance was at Closer and we'd met on um, we'd met on a job like back in 2004 when she was on the Sunday Mirror, I was on the News of the World. So when I went freelance, I got in touch with her and said, look, you know, it'd be great to do some work with you guys. And that's what I'd do. I'd ring, email and visit. I would go to London and would go and meet new potential editors and new potential clients and network in real life um, because social media just wasn't there and it didn't have the, it didn't work in the same way as it does now. Like now I'm in Facebook groups with loads of editors and journalists so I can find opportunities and work that way. That's what I often do for clients as well, which is really great. But back in the day, um, it wasn't there. And I still believe that social media isn't everything. I still believe that old fashioned networking, old fashioned connections are really important. Um, so if you're thinking of going self-employed, um, let's say if you're, you're setting up a dog business, I think going to see people face-to-face -face in your community who can help you and making an impression with them and building relationships with them. Yes, you're going to do social media and that's great, but actually going and seeing people in real life is really going to help you make an impression and really help you um, build that word of mouth and build that trust in your business. So don't always focus on social media. Going out there, going to events, going and seeing people and just chatting is really good as well. So that was number three. Number four is determination. Determination is a really important thing to have when you are self-employed. So like, you have to be determined to make it work, don't you? You have to believe in yourself. You have to put faith in what you do. Um, now, when I first went freelance, it was just, I know this sounds like, I, feel, I don't wanna sound like I'm kind of, I'm not saying this in like a braggy way, but it was really easy in the early days for me to make money. There was huge budgets there. There was loads of work. Um, you were paid, like much higher fees for um, the ideas and the stories um, that you came up with. But in the last 15 years, the media has really changed um, because of online, um, because it's so fast paced, um, there's such a demand for, for, you know, if we look at like mail online, they can produce up to like 2000 stories a day. So there is no way that they're gonna be paying hundreds and thousands of pounds for those stories. It's, you know, budgets have been really cut back. So it's meant that I've had to be really determined to keep going um, and not to go back to a regular job. And if you're thinking of being self-employed or you already are and you have those, those big shifts in what you do, um, you do determination is really going to keep you going. Um, the other thing that you have to be determined um, to do, the other thing that you have to do as well and be determined about is like wearing all of the different hats as well. Um, and that takes determination. So when I first left my job, 
I was, you know, I just saw myself as a reporter. Um, I didn't see myself as a marketer or a bookkeeper or a social media person or a HR person or an IT person um, or, you know, self-publicist, which is like, I find it really, really cringe. Um, but you have to kind of do all the things and be determined when it comes to doing those things as well, and especially when it comes to um, putting you and what you do out there. Um, you know, the thought of me having to do a podcast and a blog every week and send, you know, understand email marketing and like dozens of social media posts that I do every week when I first quit. If someone had said to me back in, you know, July 20, 2006, these are all the things you're going to have to do, I'd have just run to the hills. Um, but if you want to make your business work, you do need to be determined and you do need to be resilient. Um, so for number five is I've really, this is something that it took me quite a long time to figure out, um, but it's that it's okay to be you. So, oh my gosh, right. I spent over a decade really worrying about my past and the fact that I'd worked on the tabloids um, and I'd, you know, written some stories that I wasn't, you know, probably wouldn't want people to find um, and that I'd written about celebrities and they didn't like what I had to say and that I'd done some things that, you know, I wouldn't do now. Um, and I really worried about my past and about working on the tabloids um, and doing the things that I'd done. And I really worried when it came to working with small business owners. Um, I really worried what people would think about some of the quite outrageous things that I used to cover and do. And I let that help hold me back for a long, long time. So I just thought that I would, you know, I might be able to do a little bit of copywriting for people who are better at like BNI events and stuff like that. But I never really thought that... Um, I don't know, I never really thought that people would, I thought that my past would stop small business owners wanting people to work with me. Um, because I thought that they would judge me because I'd worked on tabloids, I'd worked on like the Sunday sport, I'd worked on the news of the world. I thought that people might think I was a terrible person. And it's kind of one of the reasons why I'm putting this podcast out there today, because I want to put it out there that that's what I used to do. And actually people can then make a judgment as to whether they think I'm a terrible person and whether they still want to work with me. And, um, you know, if, if anyone ever decides to, to have a go at me and say, Rachel used to do this, Rachel used to do that, Rachel used to do the other. I've already put that out there and I no longer live in fear of the fact that, you know, my past is not something that I really want to broadcast anymore. Um, and I remember going to an event back in November 2018 and I'd never really listened to podcasts before, um, but I decided to listen to I knew Dominic Hodgson, who's got the Poodle, Poodle to Pitbull Pet Business podcast. We'd been in touch, we'd met at an event, and he'd been in touch because he wanted to understand more about getting media coverage. And we were, you know, I was on his email list, was getting his emails, and I kept seeing these emails about, you know, his podcast. And I thought, I've got this really long drive. I was driving to, like, Portsmouth for an event and from Newcastle, so it was quite away. And I thought, I'll have a listen to this podcast rather than listening to what I used to listen to in the car, which would be, like, Girls Aloud and Kylie Minogue and, like, 90s rave so I thought, I'm going to listen to this podcast so I was listening to it and I binged on about probably about 15 episodes and in there he was talking about putting your own personality into your marketing and about the fact that if people don't like um, you or what you do or what you're all about then that's okay if people don't like you um, then you don't they don't have to work with you but if people do like you and what you do and what you stand for, then then fine. You know, you put your personality out there and people who will like you will be drawn to you. They'll gravitate to you. And I was listening and he was talking about, you know, dog walkers, groomers, trainers, pet professionals. But I was thinking, OK, well, how does this work for me? And I was thinking, well, I've got skills that I can package up. I've got a, 
there's ways that I can help people. At that time, I'd already written a book about how to get publicity if you had a pet business. And I thought, well, I'll just do the book and that will be it. People can buy the book if they want to. But I realised that I did have something that people needed. People needed support when it came to promoting the businesses and I could help small businesses understand how to deal with the media and put themselves out there. But the other thing I could do is I could help give them the confidence to do that as well because I'd done it for a long, long time. And I realised that I had something that people would value, that people would find helpful. And I'd been hiding myself away, thinking I can't put me out there, I can't talk about you know, I can't put myself out there. I need to keep hiding away because of what, you know, what I'd done or what I was still doing or what I used to do. I thought people would hate me and people would judge me. There's a lot of animosity towards the tabloids and it was still the same back then. And then I thought, no, I can either sit here and carry on doing what I'm doing um, and not, I'm not, you know, putting what I can do out there um, or I can just stop hiding away and just go for it. So I thought I'm going to go for it. I'm going to put out talk about how I can help people, I'm going to talk about what I do, I'm not going to hide from the fact that I work for newspapers, I'm not going to hide for the fact, hide away from the fact that I write for The Sun and for tabloids that people might not like, I'm just going to put myself out there and if people like me and they want to work with me that's great and if people don't want to work with me then that's fine too, they'll go and find somebody else who fits in more with, with what they want to do, they might want to find somebody who's like very professional, they might want to go and work with a PR company, they might want to do things in a completely different way. So I put myself out there, I put my values out there and my ethos out there um, and what I'm all about and you can do the same, put your values, your ethos out there and what you're all about and then the right people will be drawn to you. Sometimes people will not like you and that is okay. So for number six, I'm going to talk about being generous and paying it forward. Now, this is something, again, that I learned further down the line, um, probably a good 10 years into doing what I've been doing as um, a small business owner. So as a journalist, what we hear over and over again is don't work for free. Um, don't write for free. Don't work for free. Um, you need to be valued for what you do. And I completely agree with that. Um, so years ago, I used to, well, I still do, I still write stories for newspapers and magazines and quite often other websites or newspapers will want to go and follow them up. Um, and also the other thing that happens is if you write a story for one newspaper, sometimes other newspapers will go and find that person on social media and they will just take their pictures and copy your story and put it on their website. There's nothing you can do about that. It's really frustrating, but anyway it means that inadvertently you will sometimes end up working for free and it's really frustrating. Now, as a journalist, if somebody comes to me and says, I want to use your story, can you give it to me? I will say, yes, but you're going to need to pay me. So I won't write for free as a journalist. However, I do do a lot of stuff for free in my business. So my business now is about coaching people on how to promote their businesses, on how to get publicity and how to get media coverage. And as part of that, I do a lot for free. So I have a weekly podcast, which again, if you're a regular listener, you'll know there's loads of really helpful episodes on how you can go and get press coverage without paying any money. Um, you can just go and learn how to write a press release or learn how to approach the media and go and do it yourself, not hire a PR company. So that I do that for free. Um, I have my free publicity challenge. Every week I get messages from people who've used the challenge to get publicity. That is completely free. I go into groups and I give guest expert sessions um, where I give everything I know for free and I'm really generous with my knowledge because I want to help people so they don't go and spend loads of money on a PR company, they put their pet businesses out there and they talk to pet parents about how they can help people with their product or service. So I am, I think I'm pretty generous with my knowledge. Um, 
if people want to, if people like what they see and they want personalized support, they want personalized feedback, they want me in their kind of, they want me helping them write their press releases for them, do their things for them, then they can pay me. But I can, you know, I give away all they need to know for free. And if they want more from me, they can go and, you know, they can come and work with me. Now, the thought of being seen as being precious with my knowledge or being stingy, now that really fills me with horror. Um, and when I see other people, uh, you know, when I hear other people talking, maybe if I'm, if I'm at an event or I'm listening to another podcast or whatever, if I hear people kind of, when I feel people hold back from what they know, that that that's a no for me. I don't, I don't really like that. Um, so I'm not saying that you should give everything away for free. I'm not saying that you should go and, you know, go around and train people's dogs in their houses for nothing. Um, but I'm saying that um, I think it's important to be generous with what you know. Um, and then the people who value what you have to offer and what you share will come to you anyway. Um, you know, I won't do people's PR for free for them. I do have people ask me to do that. And I do I do, do some pro bono stuff for like people like Street Vet, Street Paws, that kind of thing I've done pro bono for. Um, I don't do people's PR for free, but I know there's a lot of guidance I've put out there which will help people get results. So I am really generous. I do pay it forward. Um, but, you know, I don't do personalized work for free and um, but I do think being generous and being generous with your knowledge is a really good quality and as a freelance person as a self-employed person I would say to do that to be generous um, and you know the right people will come to you for number seven it's not to put all your eggs in one basket so um, five years into me being freelance my biggest client so the news of the world I was still doing a lot of work for them they were shut down overnight um, during the phone hacking scandal um, they were the um, out of all of the newspapers at the time, they were the most generous when it came to fees. And I saw my income, I would say I probably saw half my income at least vanish overnight. So I learned not to put um, myself in that position again. So now I work for a range of different people. I still have um, clients in the media. I still write for newspapers, but I've also got my publicity coaching program. I've got a VIP coaching program where people pay um, a little bit more to have done with you um, done with you services with me um, and I also have like power hours um, I have VIP days so I've got lots of different ways that I bring in money every month so if I look at where my money comes from each month um, it's from a lot of different sources so I don't have all my eggs in one basket and I learned that the hard way so my advice to you would be to build a range of different revenue streams have a range of different clients so if one stops um, if one means of bringing money in stops, um, you're not reliant on that and you're not in a pickle like I was. Um, so yeah, it was a tough lesson, um, but I did manage to um, adapt and go and carry on, go and carry on really um, after that big paying client shut down. And I've definitely learned from the mistake. So that's number seven. Number eight is that change is a good thing. So in 15 years, I've been a freelance journalist. I always thought I would just be a writer forever. I thought that would be it. I'd be a journalist. I'd be going around with my pen and paper and my dictaphone and my laptop and just writing stories up, firing them off to whoever was paying me. And that would be it. But I've changed. I've done a lot of different things. So News of the World shut down in 20, um, in 2011. Um, I then went and did some, I trained as a copywriter. Um, I did some digital marketing training with Google Squared um, to help me with digital marketing. I did some social media manager training. Um, I then did some blogging training. In 2017, I launched a pet blog, um, The Paul Post. And then the following year, I wrote a book and I launched a business blog, um, Publicity for Pet Businesses, where you're listening to this podcast most, most likely. Um, 
in 2020, I launched a podcast. Um, in 2019, I launched my first online course. I launched a, um, a second coaching program in 2019. In 2020, I launched a membership. And all along the way, I've had to learn a hell of a lot, like, you know, how to do the tech, how to do the recording, how to be confident on Zoom, how to make slides, still working on those, how to do so many different things and learn so many different um, skills and get so much different experience. Um, so there have been a lot of changes and I've learned a lot of different ways to, of using the skills and experience that I've got to make a living. And you'll be able to do that too. So like one of my clients is like Ricky Sullivan, who was a dog walker. And then she started a blog for her dog walking business. And she's now completely moved and she's now a copywriter for the pet industry. She still does some daycare and some dog dog walking, but she's mostly a copywriter. So like, look at her. She's such a great example of how she's changed and adapted. She's actually learned that something that she just kind of fell into as part of her dog care business has now turned into her, her core business. So it's really good. Change is a good thing. Um, I was really set in my ways for such a long time. I thought that I could only do one thing. Um, and by changing and adapting, um, I've learned that there's lots of different things I could do with my skills and experience. And I have to be honest and say that it was only really 12 years into my business that I realised I didn't have a proper business. I was a freelancer waiting for the phone to ring and pitching to people. But when I switched my mindset around that and started thinking about myself as a business, it did make a massive change. Um, now, I've talked about this before on the podcast and Janet's talked about this on her podcast, but it was when I was listening to Janet Murray's podcast where she was talking about... Um, she was talking about if you don't have a content plan, you don't have a you don't have a business. Um, and if, she, she's basically saying if you don't have a content plan, then you don't have a business. Because if you don't know what you're going to be doing in 12 months' time in your business, and you don't know why you should be talking about it in your content, then you don't actually have a business. And this was like a real light bulb moment for me. And I remember pulling over on the side of the road and making some notes as I was listening to this podcast. And it made me realise that all I was doing was just waiting, you know, I was sending out pictures willy-nilly and hoping that something would stick. I was throwing spaghetti at a wall and I was waiting for the phone to ring and I needed to make a massive change. Um, and it was listening to Janet and she was also Janet Murray, who you will be aware of, I'm sure. But Janet was also a freelance journalist. She was talking on this podcast about where she was kind of five years earlier and she was working as a freelance. She was realizing that the money was going that the budgets were going she was like working on a story for three weeks and only being paid 500 pound she was realizing that something had to change and listening to her saying that made me realize that i needed to change um, and i went and signed up literally about i think it was about two weeks later i signed up for coaching with janet um, i joined her membership program and i made huge huge changes in my business um, and I learned that you have to keep moving forward because if you don't, you're going to, you know, you stand still, you get left behind. If I hadn't kind of, I was already making changes, I was already doing things, I was already pretty proactive, but if I, I do think that, that that day was a real, um, a real changing point for me. So that's number eight, change is a good thing. Number nine is uh, not to be afraid to ask for help. Um, so I talked about Janet earlier, talked about for the first 12 years, I was on my own. I was flailing around, throwing spaghetti at the wall and waiting for the phone to ring. And it was only when I listened to her podcast in November 2018 um, that I realised that support communities were out there. I didn't even know that things like memberships were out there where you can go and join a membership where you learn about marketing or you learn about email or you learn about publicity or you go and learn about like running a membership there's memberships out there for all kinds of different things there's all these brilliant support communities out there 
I didn't even know they were there. I was afraid to ask for help. So I joined Janet's membership. Um, I learned more about marketing and as I say, very quickly signed up for her coaching, which is where I learned how to build an online business. And if I hadn't asked for help, if I hadn't signed up for Janet's coaching, which was a significant amount of money, if I hadn't done that, no way would I have figured it out on my own. I could have flailed around trying to work out, figure stuff out for myself on Google, you know, try, you know, try to work it all out on YouTube or try to just figure this stuff out. But getting help from the right people will help you get there faster. So, you know, I was really fortunate enough to be able to work with Janet for two years. She really helped me so much um, in growing my business. Um, I'm not able to work with her, you know, one-to-one -one anymore because she doesn't have that program. But I now have another business coach, Lucy Rennie. She helps me get to places faster. She gives me the support that I need. I get the help that I need from her. I'm also in um, other coaching programs, other mastermind programs, including Helen Pritchard, that really help me with my personal development, accountability, um, and, you know, bringing my business forward and learning the things that I need to learn to keep moving forward. Um, so I think it's really important to ask for help, um, not to be afraid to ask for help. And it's also really important to invest in your personal development. So if I shared the figures of what I spend um, on personal development, on learning things every year, I know it would horrify a lot of people. If I told Tommy, God, he would have an absolute fit. But I know that I will always make the money back and I know it's important to keep learning and keep moving forward. I'm never going to know it all. And if I can go to somebody who I know has the answers, who's already done that, like Janet, like Helen, like Lucy, who already understand what it is that I'm trying to do, that's going to get me there a lot quicker. I do not know it all. So don't be afraid to ask for help and don't be afraid, don't be afraid to invest in yourself as well. Number 10 is to build a community around you of people who have your back. Now, again, this is really important. So I've always been a member of um, journalist Facebook groups, journalist support groups and that kind of thing. Um, and I found that being part of other memberships and mentoring groups outside of journalism, outside of where people are, are not, in my, not in my industry, um, that's been really helpful for me. Um, all that have been focused on a specific outcome. So I'm in a lot of memberships and mentoring groups and communities, um, or I have been over the years, where I've been able to get support. So um, I've been in Atomic, I'm in email, I'm in The Den, which is an email marketing mentoring membership community. I'm in The Membership Guys, which is a membership membership community. That's really good. Um, I'm in a Pilates membership. I'm in Janet Murray's membership. Um, and I'm also in Helen Pritchard's um, LinkedIn mastermind and her business mastermind. And in there um, are a community of people who have my back, who are there to support me. Um, as I say, until 2018, I didn't know it was a thing. I didn't know that you could get these things even existed. But the great thing about being in all those different communities for lots of different reasons um, is that you get help, you get the answers straight away. You can ask people about problems that, problems and challenges that you've got going on in your own business, get fresh eyes on what you do, um, and get a different perspective on the things that you're struggling with. You also have people there who are gonna pick you up when you're struggling. Like, you know, we all struggle, we all have challenges, and if you feel like you're on your own, that can be really hard, you can feel really low. So having people around you who pick you up when you're struggling is really important people who have your back, and also to have people who celebrate your wins with you. Um, and I became part of these memberships and I created one myself um, where I want to kind of do that nurturing to make sure people feel that I, that they, you know, I have their back and that the community have their back. Um, and, you know, and that we're there to celebrate the wins, we're there to 
you know, boost the positivity. We're there to help people when they're having challenges. Um, and I really, you know, that's something that's really, really important to me in the communities that, that I've created myself, both in my free and paid for community. Um, I want people to feel that, you know, I have their back. And I think being part of a community like that is really important when you are, you know, working on your own and, you know, trying to figure stuff out as well in your business. Um, so that's number 10. Number 11 is to work with people who value you and who share your values. Now, this is really important. So for years, I would work with work for anyone and everyone. Um, and in journalism, you are often told how lucky you are to have work. Or, you know, oh, you're, you know, you're so lucky to have this, this commission or, you know, you're lucky that they even answer your emails or, you know, this is something that we hear all the time. When I first started as a trainee in journalism back in like 1999, I think about 80 people applied for my job and it was on the Run Corner Witness World over in Cheshire and I was chosen, I got that job and I felt so, so lucky to be in journalism in the first place. And over the years, you know, I've worked for editors who've been quite challenging. Um, and when I started working for small businesses, I would work for anybody who asked me. I'd write for anyone who, anyone who asked me. Um, because I thought that that's what you had to do. Now, now I do try to be more choosy with who I work with. And I do try to work with people who value me um, and who understand what I do and who share my values and who value what I do. Um, so... I have people who will come to me and ask me to do their PR for them and I will say no I don't do that because I don't do people's PR for them um, and I'll recommend them to people who, who will be able to do that for them. Um, I have people who come to me and ask me to do PR for them for free and I will say this is how you can work with me but I won't do your PR um, and sometimes they won't be very happy with me saying that but I only work with, I only want to work with people who understand what I do and who are happy to work with me in the way that I work and who value the way that I work. Um, I don't want to work with people who challenge me and who want to say, you need to do it this way, or I want you to do it this way, or I want you to do this. I don't want to work with people like that. I want to work with people who get what I do and who value me. Just in the same way that if you are a dog trainer and you are force free, if you have a client come along and say, I want to work with you, but I want to use an electric dog an electric collar on my dog, you will say, that does not fit in with me and my values. I'm not going to be the person for you. And also, you're probably going to add, you should not be using that collar on your dog. Now, if they say, but I want to use this collar, you're going to say, we're not going to work very well together. So it's really important to work with people who value you and share your values and value what you do. Um, so relationships and nurturing them is really important for me as well. Um, so, you know, you want to make a good impression and you want to, you want, you want to be a person that people value, whether it's as a contact that you, you know, with somebody who you worked with years ago or, you know, somebody who, who just comes into your world. Relationships is re relationships and nurturing, nurturing them are really important. So just as a bit of an example about, you know, people valuing you is um, that a few weeks ago, I had a colleague, uh, Louisa, who was an old colleague from like 20 years ago when we worked on a newspaper together. Um, you know, we've kept, we've kept in touch on social media and she was guest editing a new website for dog owners um, and she was looking for stories. So she got in touch with me on Twitter and that's because I'd, you know, she valued me, I, I valued her, we stayed in touch and we kept that relationship going. She got in touch with me about this new website because we kept in touch, she contacted me and she asked me for some stories and I was able to put about a dozen clients forward because of, you know, 
because I'd kept that relationship going and it led to loads of brilliant coverage. So again, it, that kind of fits in with working with people who value you and who share your values um, and people who get you and what you do and are willing to work with you in the way that you work. That's really important. So that can lead to some brilliant opportunities as well. Um, so again, with you, work with people who, who, who get you and who share your values. Um, Number 12 is to learn how to spot red flags. So, oh my gosh, like I'm still not very good at this, but I'm learning, it's a work in progress. So when, before I did, before I kind of went down the pet niche and I was working with small businesses, I was helping them with press releases and helping them promote themselves. And I was actually trying to get business, um, helping people with their social media. I had this client get in touch with me um, and it was some, a lady who lived locally to me when I lived in Lynn and she wanted some help with a press release. Um, and she first came to me because she wanted some help with social media. So we met for a coffee um, and we talked, I talked about how I could help her and I gave away loads of things um, that I could do to help her. Gave her like a bit of a plan, did loads of, you know, I did loads of, I gave her loads basically. Um, and then she kind of went a bit cold. And then she came back and she got back in touch few months later and said I want you to write a press release about this new thing that's happening in my business so I went and spent the morning with her um, I explained how it worked how press releases work how we had to generate a story and make it interesting to the media and she knew I had lots of experience and she knew I knew what I was doing I wrote the press release and she just said I hate it I'm not paying you um, she hated it because it was too personal and I was like I'd already explained how the story had to be and how it was going to work um, and she she wouldn't pay me um, and I it left me feeling like absolute crap. Um, I felt really bad about it. Um, we also lived in the same village and it was really awkward. Um, and yeah, it, left, it was a really bad experience. And the red flag should have been there from the first meeting. Um, I, shouldn't have, I shouldn't have got myself burnt. Um, and you know, I still have people who where I see a red flag and I will go and I will get burnt. Um, but I am, I am learning to listen to my intuition and spot the red flags. So you know, I am getting better at it. It's a work in progress, but you will have people who come to you and your gut will tell you there's something not quite right here. Um, listen to your gut, listen to your intuition um, and spot the red flags. It's a work in progress, I think, for all of us, um, but you will learn how to spot them definitely as you progress. And I, the other thing that I do now is I make people pay up front if they want to work with me so I don't get burnt like I did in on that occasion. Um, number 13 is don't be afraid to do things differently. So it took me ages to figure out what I could do in my business. So I always thought, okay, I could have, the only thing I could do would be freelance and write about people for newspapers and magazines and write about things, or um, I could go and do PR. I could not figure out the middle bit, which is what I do now. It took me ages to figure out that I could do coaching and training for small businesses so they could learn to do their own PR. So bear in mind, I'd already been in journalism for like, well, I've been in journalist, journalism 20 years and I've been doing the coaching for just coming up to two years. Um, I'd done worked in PR, so I'd worked for a PR firm where I was pitching as a PR and getting stories in big newspapers, but I didn't, I'd done that and I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be, be a PR. So I thought the only thing I could do would be do PR for people or, or only do journalism. Um, and now I've managed to do journalism, but also do the coaching as well. Um, so you can do things differently. There are a few other kind of PR coaches out there, PR journalists, coaching hybrids um, like me. And I've gone down the niche of only working with pets. Now, lots of people have told me, don't just work with pets. You want to work with all small businesses. But actually, I feel that niching and doing things differently is a way that 
helps it work for me. Um, I love writing about peps, I love what I do, I love working with pet businesses. Um, so I'm doing things differently. I have gone against the grain, have gone against a lot of advice, but touch wood, it's working for me at the moment. So hopefully that will continue. Um, the other thing I do differently is my program. So um, in a lot of other coaching programs or a lot of other um, mentoring things for pet businesses, um, you know, the online courses that you buy. Um, I always teach all of my things live. Um, I'm constantly adapting and updating them. So all of my, all of the all of the material that I teach um, it's always updated there are a few kind of classes from you know 2020 in there um, but I'm constantly updating and adapting things um, and I do have a lot of you know lots of face-to-face -face live contact with my clients as well um, now if someone had told me even three years ago I would be doing what I'm doing now with the podcast and with the program you know I would have completely laughed in their faces I would not believe that I would do this um, but have done things differently. I've made a lot of mistakes along the way, um, and I would say for you, don't be afraid to do things differently. Just because other people in your play, in your space, in your industry are doing things one way, doesn't mean that you have to do it that way. You can do things differently, particularly with the niching as well. I know a lot of people who listen are really niche, um, so that's really, um, you know, it's a really good way to go about your business. Don't be afraid to do things differently. Number 14 is to take time off for the things that matter. So I'm going to try not to get emotional here, um, but you. Um, there are some things in life that matter more than work and when you are running your own business you have to be really motivated um, and driven and I've said many times I think on this podcast and on guest sessions and that kind of thing I'd much rather work 60 hours a week for myself than 35 hours a week for somebody else. Um, people think you're crazy but that's just that's just how you are isn't it when you work for yourself but there will be times when you have to stop for the things or the people that matter. So the first time that this happened to me was when my dad was diagnosed with terminal cancer in January 2016. So um, my dad had had treatment for cancer the year before and we thought he was going to be okay. He had bowel cancer, he had an operation, um, he had surgery and he was given the all clear. And then sadly the cancer came back in December 2015. Um, he went into hospital in January 2016 for surgery and sadly he uh, never came out um, he didn't recover I say he never, he never came out he did come out he went to a hospice um, but he sadly passed away um, so from him going into hospital and having that first surgery at the beginning of January to him passing away on the 31st of January everything stopped I had to stop everything I told some of my clients who I knew really well people obviously who were my friends had a lot of friends in the industry they knew me they knew I wasn't working I turned off social media I've, you know, very sporadically checked my emails and I'm a complete slave to my emails. Um, I only answered my phone to friends and family. I just shut everything down so I could be with my dad and be there to support my mum and my family. That's what I had to do. Sometimes you've got to just stop for the things that matter. Don't ever, you know, people will understand you will be able to pick it up. It will be okay, but stop for the things that matter. That's what, that's really important when you're self-employed. I've seen a few posts in Facebook groups actually recently where people have lost family members and it's really sad and they've been worrying and saying, you know, is it okay to stop? And I've, it feels weird because you don't know them, but I've gone on there and I've shared my experience um, and, you know, stop for the things that matter. The same thing happened when my old dog Daisy was diagnosed with dementia. So that was in January, 2018. Um, she was diagnosed with dementia. She was 13 at least and she, she wasn't very well. Um, and a few months later, I we moved up to the northeast, um, and she was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Literally, like a week after we moved up to the northeast, and I remember talking to one of my clients, Jane, and saying, 
got, you know, I was distraught, obviously. I didn't know what was going to happen, didn't know what was around the corner. And she just said, look, why don't you just take a month off to be with her? Um, and within, I think, yeah, within a couple of weeks, we'd lost her. So I was so glad that I took that time off um, to, you know, take time off for the things that matter. I was so glad that I was able to be there with Daisy and to be there at the end for her um, and also obviously with my dad. So I'm so glad that I did. So do take time off for the things that matter. Okay, so you may have guessed that I had to take a little break there to uh, compose myself a little bit, but yep, yeah, hope I've hit home that it's okay to take a bit of time off when you need to. So final thing, number 15 is that you are, let's end on a positive, number 15 is that you are captain of your own ship. So I'm going to cliche with this, but you know, the seas are going to be choppy. They are going to be really rough at times. You are going to be flung around all over the place, but you are in control of your life. You're in control of your business. You're in control of your destiny and what you do, which is awesome. You can say no to things. You can say no to the people who, oh my gosh, you see their name flash up on your phone or you see them in your inbox and it fills you with horror. You can say no to the things that you don't enjoy, to the people you don't want to work with. You can adapt, you can change, you can completely turn your business, um, you know, full circle. Now the word pivot has been used so much in the last year and I have to be honest and say I cannot stand the word, but you know, it's a thing, isn't it? Um, what I love about having my own business um, is that you're able to turn on a sixpence at any time and do whatever you want. The other thing I love, and I talked about this quite a lot in lockdown, um, is that you can be really reactive as well. So you can, if you worked for like a big, let's say if you worked at pets, for pets at home and lockdown happened and you realised that there were changes that you would want to make to support pet owners, you'd have to go through, you'd have to jump through all kinds of different hoops and go through all kinds of different channels to get approval for what it is that you'd want to do. Whereas if you are self-employed and you're running your own business, you can turn on a sixpence at any time and do whatever you want. If you wake up in the morning and you think, I want to, you know, when lockdown hit, if you think, I want to do an online dog training program, you can turn that round within a day. You, you just do whatever you want. You're the captain of your own ship. Um, if you want to put your prices up, you can put your prices up. If you want to take the week off, take the month off, take six weeks off, you can do it. If you want to spend a load of money on a new business coach or completely change your direction, you can. You can do what you, whatever you want. You are the captain of your own ship and that is just brilliant. And it is something to be celebrated as well. So I'm going to wrap things up. I've gone on a lot longer than I thought I would on this podcast. I've got a bit, I've got a bit emotional. I've overshared. I've shared a hell of a lot. I've talked about being drunk on Hindus, um, but I've shared what's and all my 15 years of being self-employed. If you've listened to this and you've enjoyed it, please do let me know on social media. I'm at Rachel Spencer UK on all platforms. If there's any takeaways that you've you've um, taken away, let me know as well. I'd love to hear that. If you'd like to chat about working together and you're not horrified that I used to work on the Sunday sport and I used to chase around after people from Big Brother, come and get in touch with me. I know that I will really help you raise the profile of your pet business and I've helped some amazing people over the past few years. Hundreds of people get publicity for their pet business. So I'd love to hear from you. So I do hope you've enjoyed this podcast. It's been quite like therapy, me recording it, I'll be honest. Um, and do go and check out the other episodes where there's more practical advice as well. I'll put those in the show notes. But thanks again for tuning in, for supporting the podcast. And here's to the next 15 years. And thank you also for being brave and awesome and for being, you know, being a business owner and putting yourself out there, doing all the things, wearing all the hats and just being you. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Publicity for Pet Businesses podcast. For more free resources and ways to promote yourself as a pet entrepreneur, visit www.publicityforpetbusinesses.co.uk.